Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast Monty Walden. My guest today is Timothy O'Connell from the Vinitaly Wine Club. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Right, Timothy, just give me a little bit of your backstory before we get into the nitty-gritty of the Vinitaly Wine Club. Where are you from? So I'm from Chicago. Um, I've been living here in Italy over 20 years. Like other compatriots like Stevie Kim, I'm a, an American, very passionate about Italian wine. And so what brought you to Italy, though, 20 years ago? Food, uh, wine, and Italian women. And right, and we'll have to edit that one out, I'm afraid. In particular, my wife. So Is she Italian? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, so that was, uh, and that keeps me here, so... Yeah. I haven't left yet. Okay, you got kids? Yep, three. And they're all born in Italy? Yeah, all three were born in Italy. And the oldest is now studying at the university in the back in the U.S., but convinced to come back to Italy when he's done. So, so how did you get involved in the Venetia Wine Club? Or, I mean, you know, it's fairly new. Wine in general, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm a mar- I mean, I've been a marketing director for a number of big Italian companies over the years. But wine companies or other companies? No, no, uh, different industries. Such so comp- design, fashion. design industry, um, fashion, furniture design for example I'm leaving tomorrow for the Salone de Mobile in, in Milan because I still have a passion for design and Vinity Wine Club basically was born out of that conviction that Italian wine has a great story to tell it's it's there's a huge design element around it you know the the, the, the fact that it's a lifestyle choice where it's telling a story around a, a bottle of wine that people just love sitting around the table and enjoying but they weren't very good at doing that especially online and this is and we're talking 2010 more or less we started Quite recently fairly yeah. recently and so um, we worked started working very hard to try to tell a little bit more of a story around each bottle and trying to sell a few bottles along the way and, uh, so it's a wine club for, for um, that is selling to whom to end consumers um, in all over the world or yeah, just in the so US? right now uh, the main focus is it is Italy so the Italian consumer we uh, we do sell outside of Italy but obviously there's a lot of red tape around doing that so we do that little by little since we are doing it in a in a legal manner it takes a little bit longer and it takes a lot of investment so it's a it's a wine club based in Italy selling Italian wine exactly to Italians exactly okay so what's your reach uh, I don't probably need to know like specific numbers but so how does it work I mean you no, know well, so, I mean it, you know it's a direct I mean we're an e-commerce model so we sell directly to you know, we have obviously tens of thousands of clients all over all over Italy. I think one of the, the, the interesting features of, of what we do, because we're very focused on, on quality of service and quality of the wines we sell, 60% of our clients are return. And so we're building our network, but we also, we're very focused on keeping the people who, who do buy from us. It, you know, it's, it's a very price-driven market right now. So when we started, there wasn't a lot on market, in the market. And today that's evolved. I mean, you know, there are other good commerce players in, in Italy also. In wine you're talking Yeah, about. in wine. The problem is the, the focus has, is, is definitely shifted to price, which is, which is fine. I mean, you know, that's normal. Well, almost every market does that. Um, the problem is that, especially with wine, that that can have a um, you know effect also on quality. And so we we continue to focus on quality. So how do you add value? First thing we do is we define price with the the, the producer. So that's a I mean, and it sounds coming from another anglophone. It sounds like normal, but that isn't normal in our in the wine industry. I mean, that took when we went out and we would ask the producers, okay, what is the suggested retail price? Most of them looked at us, well, it depends what you want to sell on that. So you know, defining prices is already a first step, which is important, and we've done that. And now many of the producers, the hundreds, if not th- more than a thousand producers we work with. 
the suggested retail they use for online was defined together with us. Um, and we tried to hold that, and then we defined promotions together with them. So it's not just a question of, you know, free-for-all uh, selling or whatever price that comes to mind in that. Um, that's one area. So that guarantees to the end user that, you know, we are selling at the price that, you know, that this wine should be sold at and, you know, as defined by the producer. Um, the other area is quality. I mean, just, you know, we, the way we store the wine, the way we ship the wine. Um, the fact that we source the wine only from producers, we, we use no uh, third party uh, third party intermediaries, um, and just the, also the, the the quality of the content we, we give around the wine is obviously very important. Also, so obviously, if I'm a winery, so maybe I, I can sell. Obviously, people come into my winery door because we're in Italy, and that does happen. Yep. And I may have my own website. Sure. And, but I'm also selling to you. Sure. And I know that you know the people that are buying my wine are mainly say in Milan, and sure. I'm in Palermo, or wherever I am mm-hmm. on the other side of Italy. What happens if I then suddenly start selling the same wine online for like cut price deal because I've realised I've made too much of it? Do you, would you get a bit grumpy and, and send them a gentle email? Uh, not really. I, I mean, I haven't really seen that as a problem yet. I mean, so few producers are selling direct that I haven't seen that as a problem. The the problem we do see is that they are very, you know, they want us. I mean, you know, we work with the top producers all over Italy, and they want us to do to, to set a standard, and they want us to keep that price. The problem is that in any given day, we'll find another five sites with, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30% price difference. Um, and, you know, we reach out to them, we say, you know, this is this is an issue, um, and they, they agree, but they also often say, you know, they don't know how to control that. And so this is something that, you know, as the market evolves, you know, they're going to have to build a strategy around because otherwise their product becomes a commodity. Um, it is, you know, I mean, wine is difficult because wine is a bottle with a label often sitting on a supermarket shelf. Um, so it is one step. It's sitting on a fine line between being a commodity, detergent, uh, a bottle of or a um, container of yeah of, of milk and anything else, or it's it's a bottle that wants to tell a story and it wants to give you value, and and you're you're just sitting there, and it, and it's very dependent on the end user how they perceive that, but it's also dependent on who makes that wine to certain that it doesn't become a commodity. So are you selling mainly? I mean, obviously you've got. I imagine a lot of data about um, who is buying the wine and where they live and their demographic. Mm. I mean, without giving away too many secrets, are we sure. talking to your main clients, sort of rich lawyers in Milan and Siena, or are they mm. grannies and grandpas in their retirement homes on the coast buying the old bottle for their kids? Yeah, it, 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 it's funny because I, I'm always, I mean, curious with, you know about this also, and you know, in at least every month we're sitting back and looking at data where where it's coming from. For example, we've seen a huge increase in women buying wine online, which is I think a very interesting trend because you would have, you would consider, at least you imagine that you, you know it's a bunch of lawyers or you know ordering wine you know for their weekends or their friends. But um, we were finding, if I remember correctly, this is a data coming out of March or it might have been it might have been February. So it's a couple of months ago. Yeah, so we're, we were more than fifty percent women who are actually making the purchases. And so that's very interesting. The other thing that we saw is there's a, there's been a drop. A continuous drop on age, whereas we were at a, you know, we were at a very typical male uh, Milan, you know, metro center middle age. Now it's there's a there's a there's a, a strong trend going down in age, which is also changing the drinking um, patterns. So you know, people are buying less and less big reds and you know very you know high high uh, ticket items, and they're starting to move towards really good wines, but within like the 15 to 20 euro price point. So do people? I mean, do you have like a section for organic and biodiversity? wine so people are people bothered about that or orange wines and things yep. like that yeah so we we've done it we typically do 
do it on a, as a as a theme at least every couple months. We do organic driven, and we 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 have organic organic search, so you can just choose organic wines. The other theme that we're very curious about is a lot of the top producers are uh, producing organic, but they're not necessarily labeling it organic um, because at the end of the day. They feel that the quality of their wines and what they do. So that's an area which is, it's tricky because, you know, we can't, because they aren't necessarily labeling organic, we can't label it organic either. But I think that in general, most quality producers are starting to really cut back on any use of pesticides. So that's that's something I think is very, very positive. Yeah, I mean, the market, that's what the market is. That's the way the market is going. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, wine is, is heavy and fragile. Uh, it's a pain in the ass to move around. Yeah. How, do you, how do you make life easy for yourself without getting millions of letters saying, I ordered a case of wine and one of the bottles was slightly chipped? Yeah. Um, you'd be surprised. You know, the logistics groups have, are, are better than you would, you'd imagine. We don't have that much... Um, I mean, in a percentage, it's very low breakage. And it typically happens, you know, in, in weird instances, you know, where uh, the trucks and curves or, you know, where bo- you know, packages are flipping over and stuff. But the type of packaging we use is basically brought that down. It's less than 1%. I think it's like, I don't remember the last, but it's, it's, it's so low that it's not really an issue that we focus on. Do you send people like an e-newsletter? Of course, yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's probably 50% of, of sales is coming through the news the newsletters and, and people signing up and looking at what's, you know, what's being promoted, what's, you know, what uh, wines are hot at the moment and what promotions we're able to get on those. Those are, you know, that's what people look for. How far ahead do you have to plan? Obviously, you know, you know, summer is going to be summer. How, yeah. how far or who do you have to pl- plan? Sorry for like you know getting the rosé ready and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, strangely enough, uh, I think any seasonal thing, you can't move too fast. Um, I mean, you're planning far enough ahead. Obviously, I mean, you know, we know that you know we're stocking up on whites and sparkling and rosés, but it's hard until it actually the warm weather hits. It's very hard to if you start throwing out the you know the rosé newsletters. It's it's surprising people. You know, if it's still cold out, people won't buy. So, for example, on these you know after Easter when the first weekends of warm weather come out now we're really starting to hit you know the the whites the rosés and, and and they're starting to move so what about promotions for um obviously we're in italy and i imagine some italians are very like in every market really well versed in wine they know the difference between great and other people are just not that particularly well versed in wine yeah. so how do you tread that fine line between informing and educating and entertaining people and not making the really experienced people find oh, another bloody explanation of what Alianico is frigging newsletters why don't they shut up and just get on with it how do you do that I mean funny enough I don't think I I don't think we've ever had someone complain that we're we're spending too much time on content you know explaining regions or or wine types or um, you know whatever trend is I mean I think that our content is very well received but really I mean personally I've always seen always positive feedback I wish we had more resources more money to invest to do more content you're looking for people that write about wine you're yeah I mean it. we do we do we use you know we use third parties we use our own internal um, we you know we do articles every week our blog is very well um, followed in in the amount of, of likes and follows and readership that we get in the traffic we get from our blog is extremely high the problem is it's you know cost effectiveness is is difficult you know so you um, on the one side we continue to invest because we want to continue to give visibility to quality content and we would love to grow it even further but you know you always have this this fine line that you have to followers you know what's creating value and what's not creating value so but i think that you know the market likes it 
I mean, truly, and as I was saying, women especially were articles which are targeted to a women audience, giving them, you know, information is, has been very well received. What about events? Do you like have an annual event where people, your subscribers can come and fill an auditorium and mm. taste wines? It's not necessary because we have Vinitali. I mean, we're here. So, I mean, you know, we're part of a, obviously a, a broader world, which is Vinitali. And, and so we have, you know, obviously uh, opera wine yesterday, Vinitali, you know, opera wine. We have more than 80% of the wines that are presented at opera. You find on our site, you have uh, Vinitali, then you have all the other Vinitali events. So it's, 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 it's quite useful. Do you get people writing to your producers saying, please buy my wine yeah so you get um, not really I mean we do get we do get contacted a lot and you know I mean, obviously we have a screening process to manage that that's another area I mean I would love to I mean I would love to stock you know five times as many wines the problem is we found that after a certain number of wines in the catalog it, there's actually a negative effect and um, it just becomes too complicated yeah which I'm quite surprised because some of our competitors have you know they they focus on the fact that they have you know 5,000 wines or something and whereas I find it's the exact opposite that after about a thousand wines you, you see people kind of they just start getting lost on the pages and then they, they just you know they drop off you know Prosecco someone wants a good Prosecco they want five they want ten to choose from and that's it yeah. they don't want a hundred do you get big ticket items I mean like um, Brunello's and Barolos oh yeah oh yeah especially towards Christmas I mean yeah. Christmas is you know that's where you see the biggest average sale on gifts and, and that's it it's, you know, it's a, during the year it's a little bit harder and, and does, do you get a lot of uh, traffic on for things like Arecciotto at Christmas times, little half bottles of sweet wines. Um, yeah, I mean, Paseito and, and, and some dessert wines are are, are popular. It, like everything, it's just it's very seasonal. It's very seasonal, and um, you know, right now we're seeing a, a, a big uptake in the last two summers on, on wines from the south. Which is great, you or know, like Negromaro and things like that. Yeah, right? reds and whites, both. So what, Fiano. Yeah, become everything coming out of uh, Sicily, right. um, Campania, Abruzzo, uh, exactly. You know, Pecorino. You know, so many different things with that people are starting to uh, pair with the foods coming out of those regions and also the wine. So that's you know, and that's very positive because that means we're not just selling the same three or four wines. So what about data? I and mean, if you obviously you can track if a newbie or someone that's been with your site for several couple of years suddenly starts getting into you do a promotion campanium grape varieties or whatever <laughs> it is and they get a bottle of um, Fiano, you can presumably track that they obviously like to they, next time they order a case. What are the kind of numbers not the numbers but trends that you yeah, see? I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. What I mean in the, to tell you the truth in the past in the first years uh, most of our wine sales were mixed mixed cases so it was a lot of mm, experimentation. tasting experimentation and people were saying they were buying six six bottles, 12 bottles, but it was like six separate bottles, 12 separate bottles. I think the trend today is a little bit more constant. People are typically buying six bottles of a wine, uh, either because it's on promotion or because they want that wine. So there's, it is, I think the market's become a little more educated. And I think people typically go into a website, um, e-commerce site, thinking, okay, I'm looking to buy Primitivo and you know, looking at which ones they have to choose from and buying the one that they feel is the best quality price. Isn't that one of the real hidden advantages of, of online shopping is I, I've worked in so many wine shops. I loved, you know, a thousand wines in the store. And you, when somebody leaves and they come back and they say, oh, it's a great match. I didn't, I never heard of this great variety. Sure. You feel so happy. But the great thing with online is, is people actually can have a, have the data on what they actually bought. Because they always forget. A yeah, lot of, people of course. <laughs> so isn't that one of the joys of, 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 uh, of your job? But also in some ways the frustration when people just stick with the same wine for 15 years. Yeah, there, there is, so there is some, there is some funny clients. I mean, you know, we don't, necessarily know them personally but I know the team always laughs or you know there's the you know the client from whatever from Rome 
who you know every year buys the same wines and buys the same quantity. So actually, they're when they're ordering the wine, they're ordering already knowing that that client's going to buy those wines, which is you know just kind of you know ironic. But yeah, maybe uh, they're buying it for their granddad or something. They, yeah. they know that he loves he only likes one particular wine or she, grandma. Exactly. exactly. And uh, they just put in that raises birthday coming up and they get the regular order. <laughs> anyway, uh, Timothy O'Connell from the Venice Wine Club. Um, thanks very much for explaining a little bit about how your business works. Thank you. Um, it sounds great. Uh, you know, e-commerce. Yep. Thanks e-commerce a lot. E-commerce with heavy, fragile, complicated old wine. Exactly. Good wine. Not old. Good. Make it, make it work. <laughs> Thanks, right. Timothy. Thanks. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 